What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast at MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing on this uh, fine, wintry evening for yourself? I'm doing fine. I uh, actually had to run outside to get my laptop earlier uh, in the snow. I ran bare feet in eight inches of snow. And because um, I was like, I'm only going to be out there for a second. And I'm so Missouri Hoosier that I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. And uh, yeah, but I am snowed in. Don't know if I'm going to work tomorrow or not. It's been snowing for two days. I'm, I'm not sure how much I can take. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Usually, you know, here in Michigan, we get all the snow. And right now, it just looks like a rather chilly fall evening. Uh, not a whole lot of snow on the ground. Um, so, yeah, that sucks for you. Um, yeah, it does. But, you know, what? we're going to make the best of it. We're going to uh, do a, a brand new episode. Uh, we have Yerky69, the vocalist of 69 Eyes. Uh, I know a lot of you may not be familiar with the 69 Eyes, but they are one of my favorite import bands uh, of the last 20-some-odd years. Um, basically, the 69 Eyes, for those who may not be aware, kind of came in at the same time as, like, you know, him. Uh, very much influenced uh, by being tagged as like one of those Bam Margera bands like when he was the poster child for anything cool in the uh, late 90s early 2000s um, yeah this band just I mean if you're into goth music if you're kind of into a little bit of light industrial rock kind of pop rock like basically anything that you could be into as far as the rock genre I think there's a little bit of something here for you so when this came across uh, our email I was I was all about it um Dan, I don't know. You you probably have no familiarity with this band, I would assume, right? I'm not too, yeah. I mean, I've heard of the band, but they've never really been a band I've paid any attention to at all, to be honest, uh, outside of this interview, which makes me sound like a jerk, but uh, I, I am a jerk, so here we are. I think that's kind of the nice thing about sometimes doing this podcast and, and you know, especially given the fact of like this being a band that I'm very much into, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this about me, like know how big of a hymn fan I am. <laughs> I'm literally staring at a hymn poster right now uh, from a concert I went to shit over a decade ago at this point. Um, but something that, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands was kind of an interesting time frame for getting into bands. I mean, you know, you recently were talking on discography discussion about Rammstein and like the significance that band had as an international band on the, the U S markets and so forth. And I think him was kind of interesting because there really wasn't anything like him that had come around in the States and kind of blown up kind of out of nowhere, but granted very much like 69 eyes by the time most mainstream U S audience, Audiences were finding about him, they were already like four or five albums deep, had been around for a decade plus. Same thing kind of happened to 69 Eyes when their their big crossover record here in the States, uh, uh, Devils, came out. They were already 10 plus years into a career. They had their uh, a sound that was undeniably them. Like, they were huge everywhere other than here. And for a fan of, Dan will appreciate this, importing CDs. <laughs> right? Yeah, no joke. What'd you pay for your first one, $28? Oh, no, dude, back back when I was buying these records, um, like, I remember my parents going to, to Florida when right when Love Metal came out for him. And I think for the, the import version of that, because they weren't signed to a label here in the States, I think they paid like about $30 for it in store. Um, just about every record of, of hymns and 69 eyes and stuff like that that I was buying, yeah, I was probably spending, spending about 30 40 bucks for a CD. Yeah, and there were some that could go over 50 I mean, I remember my first In Flames album was like Oof. $65. It was the Jester Race. Jester Race. Race. I knew yeah. it. I knew it was Jester Race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that, that cost me a pretty penny. And that wasn't even a new release. Like, I got the Jester Race because it wasn't the new album, and I got a few bucks off. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing that's interesting looking back on this. You know, I think, you know, for me, this this meant a lot to me because it reminds me of when you had to be an active participant in the fandom of a band. And being into bands from overseas when the internet just was starting, you know, riddle me this, Dan, what CD did you buy off of eBay that you thought was going to be the import that you were buying only to find out that it was not what you actually thought you were buying? How many times did that happen to you? A few times. I mean, it's, it hasn't happened to me more than twice where they sent me the wrong album, but oh my God, bootlegs. 
Yeah. Like, there, there's been so many times. So, like, I ordered, I remember I ordered Jester Race. I was happy with that. And then I ordered, I think, I want to say it was either a Soil Work or a Dark Tranquility because I was, like, really into Gothenburg metal at the time. And um, I got, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So it was it was Dark Tranquility's... Um, fiction? No, it wasn't fiction. It was before that. Uh, it's Escaping the Gallery. Mm, okay. And uh, it, I got a CDR in a in a in a slim in a slim jewel case. No artwork. No, it had artwork. Well, okay, so like on eBay, it was a picture of the album, the, the actual album. And if I had been reading the small, if I had been reading the small print, it did say that it was a copy. And um, basically, so I thought I was getting the regular CD. Didn't really think much about it. So I get a CDR and like it's like 2002 inkjet color printer quality <laughs> like like back whenever you had a digital camera you had to like plug your camera into your computer and pull the images off yep. and they were usually like severely low quality it was like one of those it was like it was like somebody took a thumbnail and just stretched it <laughs> across the i mean it was just it was horrific and uh what's funny though i still i kept it i didn't even say anything i didn't complain i just um i kept it and listened to it liked it and then but i i then was like okay well how do i actually get this album you know <laughs> if i wanted a pirate version i could have just you know gone on limewire um, limewire or, or soul seek uh, or something and gotten yeah. it yeah i think you could actually still use soul seek yeah i don't know i it was funny you say that i actually was thinking today because I've, I've seen a couple of memes pop up about like causing your parents' internet to crash or spiking up your internet bill because you were on LimeWire and so forth. Uh, so it's kind of been kind of funny that it's been omnipresent uh, in my, you know, things that I'm seeing, my lexicon, I guess, uh, of social media. But no, like... Th- Man, 69 Eyes. Uh, it's funny, when I got done doing this interview with Yerky, um, I texted my ex-girlfriend, who I was dating at the time when we went to Detroit to go see these guys, and I was like... So I know you may or may not remember, but like, you remember when we went to go see Six Stick Nine Eyes and like, I just talked to the singer for the podcast and she was like, oh my God, that show is wild. Like there was like nobody there. And like, it was, <laughs> it was just funny. Cause it's like, it's a shared memory where I was like, Hey, I'm really I like, basically I'm saying like, Hey, thank you for taking me to that show. Cause like basically after that, they did a tour with Cradle of Filth and then they haven't toured the state since. I mean, they did a really short run in the beginning of this year. I mean, it's been like over a decade since they played the U.S. So like, I got to see one of the the, the first and few. Um, so I like basically was texting her like, "Thank you for taking me to that show," because like that's one of the few opportunities I would have had to have seen them. And the fact that we got to see them in front of like nobody was tight. Because like, I don't know, there's something about being a fan of like international bands where it's like it's so hit or miss. Like I remember the first time seeing him was in a club in Detroit, and there was like I might be wrong on the number, but it was like maybe three or four hundred kids, but they were like diehard him fans to the point where like the band was like just shout something out and like if we know it we'll play it and it was so fucking right. cool but the next time i saw them they're playing like one of our theaters and it's like you know dark light had just come out love metal had kind of blown up the whole bam Margera angle had kind of like really catapulted them and there were so many people that were into the band that you're just like but are you really into the band or are you only into them because like bam Margera likes them and <laughs> it, it it's really weird to say that like I, I i honestly can't think of many other foreign bands that have had that like co-sign from someone here in the state side or whatever where they just fucking broke and then like broke big but like i said 10 years after the fact well that's what's interesting too about the chat is he was talking about how you know the first time they came to the states everybody's like you got to strike while the iron's hot you have to be you know um you have to be personally, you know, you have to be really involved, stay relevant, stay relevant, stay relevant. But kind of like what you were saying about, you know, back back when we first got into some of these bands, you know, you had to actively participate in the fandom. So I think in that regard, because a lot of these, ba- a lot of my favorite bands I talk about are bands that are over 15, 20 years old now. And a lot of it, it has to do with the fact that, you know, I may have only gotten one album by these bands at a time and I may have had to import them or 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 or, or find somebody that that had it that could make me a copy or or something like that. And I, I think that in the case of the 69 Eyes, you know, based on what they were saying in the inter- what he was saying in the interview was that, you know, um they came back and it turned out to not be that way at all that they were just as well received as they could have been. 
Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were introduced to us in the States at such a time where if you were a fan, you were a fan. Like, I don't feel like, I don't think, like, feel like people were as laissez-faire about stuff. I mean, they always, people are always laissez-faire about bands, but I feel like just something about them being a foreign band makes them more appealing to the diehard fans that are in the U.S. because we've waited such a long time, because we know that the band's active, we know that the band's never gone away, so I think if anything, it just hypes it up more whenever they do come back. I think that's the interesting thing, and it's not something that happens too often anymore, is the reverse. Like, most bands, when they break, they break in the U.S. and then go go abroad. But for some bands, they break abroad, and it's really hard for them to crack into the U.S., so when they finally do, like you're saying, it, it it's kind of a, a it's interesting to like. I mean, it's interesting to me. Like you you know you brought up In Flames. I remember I've seen In Flames a couple of times over the years, and it's interesting to think of a band like that only getting bigger now, where there are like where they're huge everywhere else. But it's like oh, but they didn't break here. They didn't you know they they did their touring, but like they didn't start here. Same with Soil Work. Like they didn't start here. They don't tour a whole lot. So when you do when you see those bands tour here it's that like scarcity drives up the the desire to see them where it's like oh i don't know the next time i'm gonna get to see this band and i and i think that kind of works to some bands advantage whereas you know like it's kind of funny like i'm gonna go i'm planning on seeing refused when they come through here next year and i remember being like oh that's a band i've always wanted to see and now I've seen them like four times in the last like, you know, five, six years. So, I mean, it's I'm almost getting to the point where I feel a little bit spoiled where I'm like, ah, you know, I might I'll, I might catch them on the next run. But there was definitely a point where I was like, no, I have to catch Refused every single fucking time because there may not be another time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, it's really weird how that stuff happens where somebody will break somewhere where they're not necessarily where you wouldn't expect like my old band um we didn't do we did barely any sound scans you know on our first week on first album and i don't even know what i was even like keeping track of sound scans i mean we were like so low on the totem pole but uh you know he he calls me up he's like yeah i mean you guys only did 200 in the first week and i was like yeah i mean that sounds about right you know <laughs> and uh but uh what was interesting is we ended up getting tons and tons and tons of orders from singapore <laughs> and it's it doesn't make any sense at all but it's like we were a big hit in singapore like we yeah we I mean, we we definitely we sold like i don't know like 6 or 700 albums and then like after after the record label went out of business, uh, we started getting orders on our on our Facebook page. Like people would mess would DM us and be like, "Hey, how do we get your album? And can you ship it to Singapore? How much? You know, like it had become like an out of print, like rare <laughs> album." <laughs> and we we were joking back when we were playing like really crappy clubs, you know, in the U.S. We'd be like, "Dude, we should go over to Singapore. Like, we'd probably get there, and there, we're probably up on like on a billboard somewhere, you know." Like, um, it was just a, it was a really, really bizarre, bizarre deal. And uh, you know, obviously, bands that are a little bit more organized, and you know, for lack of a better term, better, you know, uh, it's it's cool to see them kind of capitalize on on that stuff sometimes. Yeah. Speaking of capitalizing, let's uh, stop capitalizing on your time, get into my conversation with Yerki, and we will talk to you afterward. I have the pleasure this uh, this early morning for me, early afternoon uh, for him, but of uh, Yerky from uh, the 69 Eyes, vocalist. Uh, their newest album comes out this September 13th, or Friday the 13th, as it were. album is called West End. Uh, I want to say, first off, two horns up. What a fucking great way. What a fucking great way to start the record. Holy shit. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, it's, it was like uh, ever since the beginning I heard that song, uh, before you know like i had my idea for the vocals it sounded like an opening track for the album and and uh, then immediately i got the idea what this song could be about and and you know this uh, chorus two horns up and uh, and then the song was ready 
and then I was in, in Hollywood at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, and I, I, I ran an old drinking buddy of mine, Danny Phils, from uh, Cradle Phils, and um, and I asked him, like, what about, well, I haven't seen him for a decade, but, you know, like, it was, we, I knew he's going to be there, so that's where you meet old, old rockers, old or present-day cool <laughs> rockers, actually. It's, it, I, I mean, like, it's a legendary, you go to, to Hollywood's Rainbow Bar and Grill, and you, you ran into some rocker, maybe many of them. You know, that's a that's a place where to to get your points from that. So anyway, so uh, he was there, and I and I like, what about like, uh, uh, you know, doing feature on our album? And we had the song called "The Last House on the Left," and um, I had um, I had met Wednesday Thirteen earlier, and he he agreed to be featured on that track and he co-wrote wrote the lyrics and also we needed a like a revenging lady um which according to the movie the last house on the left the classic movie so it needs a revenging lady even in a song so um calico cooper was a fantastic choice and obvious like the part of the 69 family to be featured on the on the on that song so when i ran into donnie uh, I asked, like, uh, could you be interested in doing backy vocals for that song? And uh, uh, Last House on the Left. And then Donnie was like, 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 well, sure, but I want my own song on the album. <laughs> and and then I was, there was a positive kind of um, new situation. I wouldn't say problem, but new situation. And then, then, then you know, like I was scratching my head a couple of days later, and then our producer. Uh, Johnny Lee Michaels had the idea, like, all right, uh, why don't we have um, Donny Phil from Two Horns up? Because that's a perfect song for him. So that's 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 how it goes. So there's, um, I already explained what's behind the last house on the left, that song, and then there's this opening track, Two Horns up, which has Donny Phil uh, as a, well, it's a duet. It's a rock and roll duet. I wouldn't call it a bromance duet, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a duet with two drinking buddies telling you how the things should be done and handled. I definitely think it's interesting some of the collaborations you've done over the the discography that you've put out. I mean. It seemed like for a while there, uh, Villa from uh, him was someone you would just constantly go to. So seeing some of these other names, you know, Wednesday 13 and, and Danny, who are kind of more in style, a lot heavier, I would say. But they're they're kind of helpless romantics and very melancholy, which I think is something that kind of is, is touching, has been touched quite a bit on your uh, previous album so forth. So I think it actually fits really well, more than people might think. Thank you, and uh, we have a long history with both of them. Like uh, I've known Donny Phils for some 25 years. Wednesday 13, probably like 23 years or something from his murder those days. And we've toured with them. The Sixteen and Ice has been touring with both, like with Wednesday 13, numerous of times in Europe and in in the States. And with uh, we did uh, with Cradle of Filth, let all already legendary. Uh, debauchery tour like uh, <laughs> 2004 I remember. Two, no it was 2007 actually even you didn't remember so or or six or seven but not four so anyway so we did we did like this legendary tour with them so we and, and it's good to have friends on the record and when it happens naturally that you know like this time i we hadn't i hadn't seen wednesday 13 for nearly 10 years and same with donny filth though we've been in touch but we really our path hasn't crossed, but both of them I met in Hollywood. So, you know, that, you know, place Hollywood plays like a very important part with this record somehow way or another inspiring or connecting people or, or, you know, as a party, endless party place or something like that, something between, you know, actually that was kind of something I was going to bring up in a little bit later, but I mean, you're, you're bringing it up now. Where did the affinity for Hollywood start? I mean, we'll go with track 27 and done, which obviously alludes to the 27 club yeah. and so forth. But what, you know, as someone not from here in America, what was the, the fascination or so that, you know, has drawn you to Hollywood? Well, I mean, it starts from Marilyn Monroe or something even way, way before that. It's it's just like the American dream. And, every, well, it's like there is not so many 
really. Like if you really like write down three cities where you can go in this world, according at least to the folklore, <laughs> and your dream, dreams will come true. And even if you're if you if you're living here, where you want to go and try to make your dreams come true. So maybe Hollywood will be there, or Los Angeles would be there. You know, like number one. It's 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 and it it I I love the idea, and I I, I would. I would, you know, would love to be a spokesperson for it that, hey, man, it's real. The dreams really come true there. I mean, even in this small case, you know, with these two songs, but it's it's a fascination. It's like um, it's a it's a folklore. It's it's a mythology, pop culture, everything. Hollywood has always been there and like very interesting place and everything what I've been interested in have been coming from there. And all, all of a sudden in the late 80s, even the coolest rock and roll, strangely, started to come from there with the, with the you know, like a classic days of Sunset Strip rock and roll. So, you know, it, and that's when I went there for the first time to, you know, to witness that, uh, that thing. So, um, and it, it's been off, on and off with the 69 Eyes always, uh, once, like, like you remembered when we toured and played with Cradle of Filth in the States, like in the 2000, I think it's seven. And so, you know, like those days, and after, after that tour, we, we even recorded an album in, in 2009 in, in LA. And, uh, and, and Hollywood has been sort of like, um, well, Helsinki is where we come from, but Hollywood has like sort of like, a, let's say, temporary home for us in many ways. But there has been like 10 years gap for it. I've been there by myself, just like uh, partying or being creative, putting out, out a couple of like my solo projects and, ham, and, and my LA-based band that I've been touring with. But, but the 69 I haven't been there. So with this record, I really thought it's time to return. And we had a chance to return all of a sudden. A year ago, we, we had everything uh, new in our lives. Like we had a new management company, uh, the Oracle Management with Des Fafara mm -hmm. uh, from... Uh, Double driver. Most of people, yeah, and most of people remember him from Cold Chamber. So yeah, so he he was there with with his management, like telling first thing he wants to do with the Sixty Nine Eyes is put the Sixty Nine Eyes back on the American map, yes. and literally he did that as we already toured there in April, and then uh, we we also have a new uh, new booking agency, and 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 you know like um, then all all the like music videos which for this upcoming album are done by uh, LA-based amazing new uh, video maker Vicente Cordero and and you know like um, uh, so you know like uh, this is uh, th this music and and ever the six down eyes is of course based and we are talking you are talking to me in Hel and I'm in Helsinki Finland but uh, our, our dreams are still in Hollywood and, and some, some of the dreams we, we make come true there. And it's, and, and okay, here's, here's what, I, what, is, what I had to say about this record, but it's kind of weird, like um, during this time, this record has been coming out like uh, during this summer, all of a sudden from here and there comes other things which are sort of boosting Hollywood all of a sudden to everybody's lips you know like uh, once upon a mm -hmm. time in hollywood tarantino's movie excellent movie and even yesterday uh post malone released his new album yeah. hollywood is bleeding which is great record actually i was excited to listen to it i think it's it. interesting so, how much he's kind of focusing on putting guitars into his music something that he always has flirted with yeah and and one second second line on the on his record is vampires feeding yes. So, you know, there's a weird connection. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'm, I'm very excited about, like, it's, it's really like, it's all happening, man, like Z-Man used to say in a Beyond the Valley of the Dolls movie. But, you know, it's still, well, that's, that's a great Hollywood movie as well. So, you know, it's just like a, one inspirational place. It's actually a real place. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, and it's a tragic place, but it's still, you know, like a dream factory for, for some of the people, some of us or, or, you know, everybody, it's open for everybody. So that, that's interests. And of course, like uh, it, it has great American mysteries and 
and a lot of legends happening and, and still going on there, you know. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, and you touched on so many of my upcoming questions, so I'll, I'll kind of tackle them one by one. You know, something in listening to this record, you know, I've been a fan since around the Paris Kills era. Um, and something Thank you, that has been crazy to me when I got Paris Kills was, you know, having some of the, the back catalog to go through, you know, Resurrection and Motors and or Motor City Resurrection, I'm sorry. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where your sound has been so defined almost from the beginning. And, you know, you're 30 years into the career at this point, and it's been so consistent. And that's not something, you know, you typically see, especially in rock, because it seems like eventually bands chase trends. And I don't feel like you've ever done that, especially over a very interesting 30-year run where there have been so many trends in rock and heavy metal. And you guys haven't gone after any of those. You've stayed true to yourself. How hard was it to stay that focused on the vision of what 69 Eyes is and would be? And on top of that, how much do you think of that is is to be contributed to the fact that you've had the same lineup that whole time? Well, I, I would like to, in this point, I like to would like to give the credit to our lead guitarist, Basie, and, and also the other members of the band, because uh, I'm always flying somewhere else and I get excited about everything new, you know, like, and I've been, tr I've been always trying to track everything new and, and you know, and somehow I feel like these other guys, they are sort of like, uh, like they, they don't follow their time. They stuck into the past, <laughs> but that's the important element for with, with, in a rock band. And I guess it's always like that. If you think of like Keith and Mick, you know, Mick's doing dance music, Keith is like sticking in the blues, you know? So I guess this kind of like a couple of guys who totally represent different you know, sides of things. So I'm, I'm like, like this hyper energetic guy excited about new things and going boldly, you know, to explore them and get, you know, and like, like I already said, like I, I was when it, as soon as Spotify opened up in the morning, <laughs> I was listening to the new post Malone album yesterday. So, you know, like I'm always there where, where, you know, something new happens. So, but these other guys, they sort of like, uh, you know, they, they keep me, keep me, you know, like, uh, you know, sort of like tie me down a little bit. So, so that, that's probably actually uh, thanks for them that we are still sticking in the same, same old, same old, because sometimes I try to probably bring something like something which doesn't fit for, and, and, you know, like, uh, on the other hand, we, we have some other musical projects outside of the 69 eyes, like, uh, the rest of the band is actually playing uh, 77 punk and hardcore punk at their lesser time in, in, the, in uh, you know, occasionally here in Helsinki. And uh, uh, our drummer has his weird hard rock, 80s hard rock, uh, dreamy band happening once a while. And I'm, I'm having my rockabilly band, uh, the 69 Cats. Uh, once a while, you know, like, and actually, you know, it, it uh, might get active soon. So we, we learned to, even though the 69 is open forum to, you know, w to do whatever music we like. And then we're, we're very, it, it, it's not the certain sound with, that we represent, but still, you know, we have these other side things to put our energies in them and not get frustrated why, why the 69 doesn't, for instance, play hardcore punk or something like that. So, you know, that's one of the things. And like, I, I would like to really give the, you know, the, it's, it's the rest of the guys who sometimes, uh, you know, keep me, keep my, my feet on the ground as well. But actually, I, I want to ask you a question. As you mentioned, uh, Motor City Resurrection, which I thought it was, uh, I really liked the, the, like that expression when I came up with it. What do you think it, it meant when I, when I had that? What, the, the, the expression, Motor City Resurrection, what do you think it is? So here's the weird thing. I live in Michigan. So okay. uh, oh, Detroit, right. Detroit is yeah. uh, not far away. From, I'm in Grand Rapids. Yes. So Detroit's all like right. two and a half all hours right. away. So cool. to me... At the time, which granted, when you put that out, you know, I I was still kind of young and hadn't really had many adventures in Detroit and going to see music. I kind of looked at it more in kind of how you were talking about Hollywood and how it has this mysticism mm -hmm. and, and romanticism about a, a time, you know, of legends and so forth. And, and that's where you go to make it. Detroit is, for lack of 
you know, some people may agree with this, they may not. Detroit is one of those places, if you are a rock and roll band, that you go to prove that you have your shit. Like, if you want to make it, and you want to make it as a rock and roll band, that's the proving ground, is, is Motor City. I mean, you look at all the legendary punk rock bands, rock bands, you know, even uh, Motown and all that kind of stuff. Yes. It is where music has had such a rich history. So to me, perhaps it was a thing of kind of that same thing of like where Hollywood has kind of been influenced in, in the song titles and, and lyricism of your band that I kind of took it to be more of, you know, we feel that we're at this level of bringing back this this punk rock rock kind of sound yeah, sure. that's been missing. So it's almost like the resurrection of that era of rock music that hasn't been happening when you put out that record. I could be completely wrong. But that's kind of how I've always took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're completely right. It actually, I was thinking of that back then because obviously we were very influenced by all Detroit rock and roll, MC5, uh, Iggy and the Stooges, you know, all these bands and, and all that sound that came from that era that was very influential for us. So, so we call it Motor City Rock and Roll. So obviously that has something to do with it. But also, if you remember uh, the movie The Crow, Yes. Happened there. So Motor City Resurrection could also be like the, you know, portraying when, when you know, Eric Traven comes up from the grave. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely you know, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because, because in, in one of the scenes of the movie, uh, when the bad guys are talking to each other, they are calling each other like Motor City motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, sorry about the bad word. No, so, you're good. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Thanks for the answer. You're, I'm, I'm glad you got it. Then. And it's nearly right. It's it's somewhere between there. But I, I just like the expression. And it's something something to do with the crow, something to do with the, you know, Motor City rock and roll. Well, I know, I know you weren't in Detroit on this last run that you did early in April, but I think you'd be quite surprised to see the resurrection of Detroit as a city and the, the way that we've been – it's been growing and rebuilding back into, I think, its former um, – former self of, of being a place where people want to go and, and experience live entertainment and art and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Cool. Like it's, it's, uh, it's like, uh, last time I've seen Detroit was only in a movie of the, uh, only lover, uh, only what is, what's the movie called? It's uh Jim Charmers movie. Only, uh, uh, this vampire movie where they go in the night to, to find Jack White's house. It's, oh, uh, uh... <laughs> o- only lovers left alive. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I've heard of it. I, I didn't know. I haven't seen it yet. Um, something I kind of want to talk about with this new record actually is you've you've kind of done a, a rather I think uh, adventurous project of looking back on thirty years of the band. Uh, it's a it's going to be a DVD documentary that accompanies the deluxe yes. edition of the the CD. You know, how interesting was it to look back on the career that you've carved out for yourself while you're in the midst of doing this new thing as well? Oh yeah, well. It happened this way. I, I first of all, um, first of all, it, it's all, all to thank for, for Des from our new new management because I was thinking of not talking about like our 30th anniversary at all. I thought like let's 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 release new music and be quiet about how long we have played. It's kind of embarrassing, all right. And then Des comes into the picture like, what the fuck? You're so amazing, cool, legendary band. Your fans will celebrate that you have been playing 30 years you have to you know you know you know you have to talk about it as well and you have to put out a documentary and i was like uh, okay all right and he really like he gave us so much new energy inspired us in many ways but this was one of the things as well that he got us to do so actually we first got the album done and then i started to write the manuscript for the documentary because i i i wrote it so, um, but it's, it's, it's not hard. It's like, uh, if you really look at the pictures of the, our band, we, I, I don't know, maybe it's in my head, but we haven't that much changed. No, not at all. How we look, <laughs> which is like, um, which, which was kind of like, um, it, it was, it was also like kind of, uh, very interesting as we returned to the States, like last, uh, April and May. And we, we hit the stage and we started to meet fans. And then, then all of a sudden, like they, uh, here and there, they start to tell like, oh, you haven't changed at all. And we're like, uh, what? Like, yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I, we know. 
So it was kind of like a really like a return of the vampires. And uh, and also um, also to go to that a little bit, it's like uh, it's like, you know, like um, I, I I'm not don't know that much about, you know, like music business in the in the business sense of doing things. And I, I of course, follow and read Bob Lefset's letter and things like this. And it's interesting to follow what's going on. But it's always like I was told, like um, when we played in the States last time, 2009, and I was told like, oh, you'll lose your momentum. You have to play there all the time. So then it, we, we just couldn't come because of like we, we, we lost the manager and, uh, and we were just, and it, it you know, like the, the, you, you can't come by yourself and, and <laughs> no. the tours weren't arranged. You know, you, know, you have to invite a vampire. So strangely, 10 years just passed. And, and I remember those words that you lose your momentum and it's hard to, you know, to come back. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to tell that probably a special well, very weird um, thing to happen. Like when, when we returned, it felt like we haven't lost anything. You know, we, houses were full, fans there were there, you know, like, and they even had, which is like really, um, I, I really felt really um, felt in my heart that they had the albums that we have released be, be, between, uh, you know, being in the States and they want them to get them signed, you know, so... Um, you know, we, we're a kind of band that people still come with the records to get signed. Absolutely. You know, it's not all not only selfies. So, you know, so uh, we're really old school. So, yeah, so sort of I, I, I'm glad to tell that there at least at some point it can really happen that you don't if you don't really lose the momentum if you're, if you're well, let's say I can say cool enough, you know, to to deliver after a decade. In that sense, and and you know you have to remember that our band has been active. We have we we didn't disappear from the planet, and especially social media. You know people have been can be following us and flying over to the shows and so on. So that was that was cool. Well, going back to this uh, archives thing, and and you know I jumped from the fact that people tell like hey you haven't you know uh, changed at all. So sort of like um, I have I it was really easy because it, it for me everything's clear. And uh, in, in 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 kind of top of my head, and and it doesn't feel that long time. But when you, it was interesting when when I start to think of like what has well well you know it's it's like the definition is pretty pretty much like the sixty nine eyes hasn't changed at all. Well, pretty much from nineteen eighty since nineteen eighty nine. But the world has changed. Absolutely. If I if I start to think of like artist albums fashions world you know we we started that there was still you know like um there was still uh, like when we started there was still like a uh, soviet union and east germany you know like uh the, like 89 so even, the whole world has really changed you know from those days where we are right now and uh and and the music scene has changed and so on so that is weird but the as in a, in a lifetime of the 69 i said pretty much nothing happened we have, have released 12 albums and uh, uh and you know like in the beginning i just noticed from the picture at in the beginning our rhythm guitarist was standing um when if you're, if you're in the audience he was standing on the on the left side alone and our lead guitarist and bass player yeah, then drums and lead guitarist and bass player now we have like a rhythm guitarist and bass player on the uh, on the on the left side and and on the right side is a lead guitarist alone, so that, that's what I've, I've had changed <laughs> since the beginning of how how we are on the stage, you know. So that's probably the most radical thing that has happened. <laughs> you know, something as a like I said, I've kind of been a fan for not as long as some, but you know, probably longer than some others. But something that was kind of interesting to me and kind of thinking about uh, my experience going to see you guys on that, what I believe was the first show in Detroit you had ever played the with Program the Dead and Damone, yes. um, was remembering how many fans were wearing like CKY and Bam Margera like skateboarding shirts. And just the, the, the tie-in with Bam, with him, uh, you know, obviously directing music videos of yours and, and kind of being uh, a, a good spokesperson or ambassador for your music, uh, putting it, I believe, on either his CKY movies or on the show. Uh, on shows the, both, both, okay. both. And we, we were even, 
when when he had uh, MTV Cribs, if somebody remembers that yeah. that show. Oh yeah, you guys where, were there. Where, yeah, they were they were visiting Bams like a castle Bam, and and then then the then they go to the to the pirate bar that he had on the on the downstairs and all of a sudden the 69 ice is sitting there like hello you know like <laughs> like as a like a regular furniture like oh we actually have a helsinki vampires here also you know so you know so it was like uh it, it, it was those days you know like that that was like uh before social media yes. it was still like mtv it was it was it was different mtv when then by the time of like when you know, like Headbangers Ball and Ricky Rackman was ruling MTV, sort of. But it was still MTV, you know. Yeah. And that was those, those like uh, Jackass and Viva La Bam. And we we were lucky enough to be on that show, and that was obviously had a big impact on how people discovered us. And the same thing as we did this tour right now. You know, like uh, it's it's actually the same people, and and I. I wouldn't like to know, but you know, there, there's algorithms these days who tell you a lot of things. So, you know, like looking out the, like from the statistics of, for instance, Spotify. I know that the, there's the people who listen to the 69 Eyes. They don't. Li- they are not passive listeners because we are not on the on the playlists. So, unfortunately, but somehow probably fortunately as well so you know if you are on the playlists uh, you know like a majority of you you will get a lot of listeners naturally but a lot of your listeners are passive listeners so they don't know maybe who you are they they don't know if you are playing in their town they remember the song probably but they they haven't time to check out who was you know behind that song most of the time our listeners are like those who, who sort of devoted listeners who particularly listen to us. And uh, so, you know, like um, that's a hard way to get your listeners. But still, uh, in the, in the, that, that's based on that we got them already back in those days and even earlier. So, you know, like uh, people who come to our shows, they are those people you just mentioned and uh, maybe even have been listening to us even, even longer, two decades, one decade. And also like... As we know, um, we the, the album comes out in a week, but we we already played cup, uh, during the summertime, few festival shows, and now we played at, in here in Helsinki, uh, just like the end of summer show uh, last last Friday, and and uh, it was totally full house, uh, and and a lot of people started. My friends told me like, did you notice there was like a lot of like really young people at the show guys and girls you know dressed up like like rockers or goths so every time we have a new record coming out there's of course these people i just mentioned who 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 have been listening to us for decade or two decades or long or even longer and also there's also fresh blood always so you know that's that's cool and uh, last question for you: What does the rest of 2019 hope for? Hold for you? And uh, I know I'm hoping for another Michigan date eventually. I think it's gonna come. So 2019, it's it's like uh, we start to celebrate our 30th anniversary by releasing the new record West End uh, on on like you said Friday the 30th. I think Jason is even coming to get the album. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for that and. And then, then we are we're gonna tour here in in our Finland, and then then in Europe. But I can tell you already in the news that 2020 starts with our our American tour, and we're gonna tour there in January and February. And and uh, I think there's gonna be some, you know, like Motor City Resurrection on that tour as well. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. No uh, time. Yep. And uh, any old time. Well, maybe we'll do it again if you end up uh, in Detroit in the early New Year, and uh, we'll do it hey, again. Hey, remember, remember what was that venue actually? Because that was like fantastic. I believe you played St. Andrews Hall. Yeah, it was like really old theater. Yes. Yep, like fantastic. What? Yeah, I I gotta Google that up because that was kind of venue we were singing like, oh wow, this looks like the place that MC Five and Iggy and the Stooges were playing. Because you know, like part of this thing to being thirty years in a rock and roll band, we're still fanboys, and we're it's exciting to come to these places that all our favorite music has been coming from. So 
Absolutely. don't know. I, I will check it out. So let's see what history that when you had, but it's already now it has six and eyes on it. Is it still there, by the way? Oh, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has great, great acoustics because it was sold building. So yeah, that was fantastic. Can't wait to come back to Detroit, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully cool. uh, safe travels and enjoy the rest of your year. And uh, yeah. we'll chat again. Yeah. Happy Halloween. <laughs> you as well. Yeah. So that was my conversation with Yerki of the 69 Eyes. I hope people who listen to this take away sometimes how fucking stoked we are to talk to people, even if they're pe- people in bands that maybe you don't know because we're just fans. Like, I think when you talk to Scott from Zayo, like, obviously you're a fan of Zayo. Uh, John Marino from Circle Back, like, you've been championing that band since that record came out. Check it out. They just got the cassettes in. I just saw those. I saw Nathan and everyone pumping them up. But uh, it's one of those things for me where, like, this is an interview or conversation, whatever, where I don't know that people love this band as much as I do, but I don't fucking care. Like, the 69 (laughs) Eyes is a great fucking band if you like a hybrid of different stuff. Like, I'm into goth kind of music, so, like, to me, like, I'm super stoked on this. Like, you know... It's like, if do you like Billy Idol? Do you like The Cure? Do you like The Ramones? Do you like just fun rock music? Then The 69 Eyes has got something for you. And their newest record, which, I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but, like, the newest record, holy shit, it is stupidly fucking good. And, I mean, it's not... I, I mean, as a long-time 69 Eyes fan, as you heard me say in the interview, like, I've been a fan since, like, Paris Kills. And the band just is always consistent. Like, you know, I know it's a tired and true thing we, we talk about on this show because of you being on discography discussion, but I honestly think if you were to go through and do a discography discussion on 69 Eyes, you'd be like, yep, it's solid. It's good. I loved every minute of it. Are some songs kind of eh? Sure, there's a couple like that aren't as good as others, but like tired and true, they are fucking solid all across the board from start to now. And I just can't say enough good things about this band. And seeing them live, like, this is a weird thing to say. But I just, I, I, especially, like, Yerki and, like, their drummer, uh, Yusik or whatever. And, and just everyone in the band kind of has, like, the vibe, like, of being rock stars. And I don't feel like we have that anymore. I don't feel like we have rock stars anymore. The rock stars we have are the rock stars from 30 fucking years ago. It's still Keith Richards. It's still Slash. It's still Axel. It's still Duff. It's still all these fucking people. We still talk about Dime and the legend of, you know, Dime and Vinnie Paul and, and Pantera being rock stars and shit like that. That's what the 69 Eyes are. They encapsulate so much about rock and roll and rock and roll history that I just don't see how, if you're a fan of this genre at all, how you can't like this band. <laughs> yeah, uh, I checked out a couple of the tracks, and uh, I, I'm I'm not really into the whole goth rock thing, but I totally I totally understand the appeal, and I totally understand why Cradle of Filth fans, especially, mm, yeah, like really really jumped onto it uh, because it's it's kind of right up their alley. It may, you know yeah, it's not black metal, it's not you know, um, it's not super extreme or whatever. But I don't I don't. First of all, anybody that's listening to Cradle of Filth because they're black metal <laughs> stopped listening to Cradle of Filth like 20 years ago. But, you know, th- they are a they are a goth metal band, so it's not hard to sell a goth rock band to goth metal fans, you know. There 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 aren't that many goth metal fans out there that I know that are like, "Yeah, man, it's all about the brutality for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think the other thing too about for me about Yerky is like he's got like this kind of Danzig kind of Elvisy voice and I mean, how can you just, I don't know, how can you just not be in love with the whole thing? Like, it's just, it's fun. It's just fun, which is what rock and roll is all about. And the thing that was kind of funny to me is once I feel like he realized I lived here in Michigan and close to Detroit, he got really enamored with just Detroit and the, the history of Detroit rock and, and what Detroit means to the music world as a whole sure. between Motown and rock and roll and punk rock and everything. And I really loved him talking about how he loved playing here in Michigan at some of these legendary venues. And to me, I think with their fascination with L.A. and Hollywood and all that kind of stuff, I just think it's fucking really cool to to kind of be very open about your influences and be like, yo, Hollywood's dope because, like, the 27 Club and, like, people – like, Marilyn Monroe and, like, 
why people want to be famous and shit like that. And it's like, that's the side of shit. Like, I just feel like people don't talk about it anymore because they're like, well, it's just not cool to be like, yo, I was inspired by like being famous and being in a fucking rock and roll band and touring the States and, and going to like dirty punk rock bars in Detroit or like New York or whatever, where like the New York dolls and the MC five and shit like that played. And to me, like I, it's funny to me that a foreign band kind of really, encompasses so much of our u.s culture around rock and roll it's it's kind of weird and funny to me that that's how that is yeah absolutely it's it's you know he's enamored with detroit because he grew up hearing about how great it was for rock and roll you know what i mean and um you know to a certain extent i think well i wouldn't say it i don't know for 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 that era of rock i don't want to say it was the hollywood of rock and roll but it was definitely a a a uh, an epicenter <laughs> you know so to speak so i i totally understand his his like oh oh detroit huh yeah i think that's kind of a weird thing and and you know leading up to knowing that you and i were going to do this episode specifically you know uh, you know i know i have talked before about how michigan has really had its its stamp and just kind of its its grasp on rock and roll and and metal and so forth and and just music in general for shit like 50 plus years like we yeah. were we were the epicenter of motown we you know had the mc5 we had you know iggy pop we had you know kiss basically even though they're not from here when everyone thinks of fucking hard rock or rock music detroit rock city like you know it's it's a thing that we've kind of earned and then you have bands like Battlecross, greta von fleet as more of recently you know there's there's such a lineage of artists and so forth that have come through here that i i, I sometimes kind of forget that we kind of have become a benchmark area for you know like when you're in a band you you want to play detroit you want to play these famous venues where people of all all eras have played i mean machine gun kelly came through and played uh i think saint andrew's hall which is where they filmed eight mile and then was outside of the venue doing lose yourself with fans like right. with a dude on a guitar because like that movie and eminem meant so much to him that like he had to like pay homage to the area and it's like i think because it's only like two hours away from me i just don't think about it like that but when i talk to other people and they express how much the area and what the legacy of the area means to them i'm like fuck maybe i should kind of be more into celebrating the rich history that i have so close to me yeah yeah definitely it's definitely not my scene but i'm from st louis where we have no scene <laughs> hey man you got a what was it uh Oh, what is that band? Exactly. I'm thinking, hold on. Story of the Year. Yeah, I mean, sure. Live from the Lou DVD. Yeah, those poor guys, like, I mean, a buddy of mine. <laughs> those poor guys. A buddy, a buddy of mine ran into a member of Story of the Year at the Apple Store, like, who was just working there. So, like, you, you know, sure. <laughs> With that same reaction, I'm going to actually talk about what I'm drinking right now as we're kind of wrapping up. Um, so I bought a couple beers uh, in preparation for some of the chats we have, and uh, I bought this Odd Side Ales. Uh, they're they're a pretty solid brewery. Uh, a lot of the stuff I, you know, they're very adventurous in their their craft beer making, and so I bought this one. It's called Lost Shaker of Salt Strawberry. It is a an imperial blonde ale aged in tequila barrels with strawberries, lime, and salt added. Sounds disgusting. Um, you know, I read that and I was like, man, that sounds amazing. Uh, and then I took a sip during when we were recording the intro toward the end and while Dan was talking and I, I gotta be honest, this is not good. It is not <laughs> a good beer. I have a whole can to drink, uh, which I will because I just don't throw things away that I, I paid decent money for. Um, this, this just is not a good beer. Um, I don't know if it's that it's an ale uh, maybe it would have been better if it was something, a, a different, I, I guess that's the thing. I don't really recall Imperial Ales very often. Yeah. So I don't know if that's where they first went wrong is doing an Imperial Ale. Um, the tequila barrels, I think that's solid. I think the lime and the salt, I think that works like not with this beer. I think it's a little bit too much. Like you get the, the sweet lime flavor and then the really bitter salty flavor at the end, the strawberry just kind of comes in right in the middle and you're just like, dude, what the fuck? I'm drinking like a tequila, strawberry, lime, salt. And it just, it's too much going on all at once. And it, it just does not work. Um, I think this wants to be 
like poured over a rocks glass with a salt rim and it's it's a margarita in a, in a can and it definitely it is not that um so I'm, I'm very i'm very disappointed with this this was this was a, a miss for me um but maybe you can redeem uh it with whatever you're drinking well i'm just drinking water right now i'm <laughs> can't go anywhere can't get to any gas stations you know what i'm actually going to uh you who god that beer is so terrible um I'm going to uh, open a Liquid Death. Uh, shout out to Liquid Death for sending uh, a couple of cases of uh, their water over to us. I got to send you a couple of cans. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not like what what the cover says, right? So it's not like drink this; it will instantly kill you. No. Um, okay, because there are certain days I feel that way, but you know. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's pretty solid. Um, it is kind of interesting to crack open, literally crack open, as you heard me crack open the can, uh, crack open a can of water. Um, it's interesting. Uh, mountain water isn't necessarily my thing either. Um, but I, this is oddly refreshing. Um, it doesn't really have that canny, tinny taste to it. Like I thought it kind of would. Cause sometimes when you get canned beer, you, you get a little bit of that can flavor going on. Um, yeah. but I mean, it, it is kind of funny, you know, a, basically a tall boy, a 16.9 ounce, uh, can of water. Um, and it's called liquid death. <laughs> um, of course. So, I mean, shout out to them. They, they said it, like I said, sent us some stuff. Uh, very much hoping that we can bring them on as a, a podcast sponsor here very soon. Um, still trying to figure that out. Um, but, you know, they sent us some water. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, if you want to go over to their website, you can go over to uh, liquiddeath.com. And uh, you can buy a case. I think it's only like maybe 15, 20 bucks for a 12 pack of uh, the water. Uh, or you can sell your soul with the first purchase for uh, a free 12 pack and then buy it back for a dollar. Um, so if you're so hard up, hard up for a case of water, you can sell your soul uh, and do that. Um, I, I thankfully didn't have to do that for, for a <laughs> some water, but uh, I definitely think this is a, this is a, a brand that if you go to liquiddeath.com, go check out their, their advertisement, their, their commercial. This is a company that we should be doing stuff with because they are all about, you know, just having a good time. It's a craft water. I'll call it at this point. Um, you know, they're all about, you know, the, the whole thing of murdering your thirst. And it looks like an adult swim cartoon where the, the logo is just killing or the, the mascot is killing people as they're drinking <laughs> this shit. Um, so it, it's one of those like I was really stoked to uh, to at least not have them tell us to fuck off uh, when we were like, hey, like, do you want to come on as a sponsor? Um, so go check it out, liquiddeath.com. They uh, you know didn't pay for this advertisement, but uh, I definitely think you guys should uh, check it out. It's it's solid at least for the novelty of it all. You know, whatever. Uh, it's better than the side beer. <laughs> right, right. Um, and since we're plugging things, let's uh, go ahead and wrap up this episode. If you would like to keep up with the 69 Eyes, you can follow them on Facebook at the 69 Eyes. Instagram is at the 69 Eyes Official. And Twitter is at 69 Eyes Official. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Yerky, uh, it's just basically Yerky69 on Instagram. I believe the Twitter is the same thing. I, I couldn't had a problem with Twitter a minute ago. So uh, I believe it's just his name, though. Uh, but thanks so much for to him for taking the time talking to us. Um, if you'd like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And uh, Dan will tell you where he can be found. Well, I can be found all over the Internet. I, I do this spiel all the time, so let me uh, let me start from the top. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. My other podcast can be found under facebook.com slash discography discussion. I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan, on Gmail at Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, my other podcast page is discussmetal.com. Um, am I missing anything? I, I'm, on dis, I'm on Discord. If you want to join the Discuss Metal Discord, we talk about brutally speaking on there sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time. I'm, I'm pretty much available to you whenever. And if you would like to keep up with our show's sponsor, The Bean Bastards, you can head over to TheBeanBastard.com, get you some delicious coffee. The Shitter's Full Blend is back in stock. That is my favorite blend that they have. I highly recommend it. Buy, like, 20 bags because once the season's over, that's it. Um, but, yeah, head over to TheBeanBastard.com, get you some coffee, and let them know that we sent you. Head over to Facebook and Instagram at TheBeanBastard. Also... 
Head over to onpointpalmade.com. Use our code BSP15, and you can save 15% off your entire order over at On Point Palmade. I want to shout out Maddie Mullins for sending us some stuff, uh, for coming on as a sponsor for the podcast. We actually are in the midst of doing a giveaway over on our Instagram page. All you have to do is like our page, like On Point Palmade's page, then comment on the photo of the things we're giving away, the the medium uh, palmade and the matte palmade and the beard oil and just comment done when you've done those two things following each of our pages and as of next monday so basically a day after you hear this we will pick three random winners to give away each one of the products we have that uh maddie and on point gave us to uh to do with what we chose to do and we just figured you know it's the holiday season so let's let's give you guys some free stuff um so thanks again to on point pomade you can find them on point pomade there'll be links in the show notes check that out we also got our pins in finally thank you 1979 designs these pins came out awesome we've been selling a handful of them already i gotta send dan a couple to uh oh yeah to give out and and use and rock and so forth uh basically fifteen dollars if you live here in the u.s we will send them anywhere in the u.s if you live in canada or you know anywhere kind of international we can figure something out hit us up send us an email at brutally speaking at gmail.com hit us up on facebook instagram whatever at bruce speak pod we'll figure out a way to get these to you at a, a reasonable cost but we have pins they're fucking tight uh thank you again to jason wood over at 1979 designs um Things are looking up. We're, we're ending our year very strong, very happy with how things are going, uh, and you'll hear all about that in the next episode. Um, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next week.